Welcome to the One Player Podcast, the show on solitaire board gaming. I'm your host, Albert, and this is episode 13. TGIF, everyone. Welcome back, everyone. It's been about a month since the last show, and it's been way too long. January was not a great month. I, I didn't get much gaming done at all. Everyone in my house got pretty sick, and it's been a couple of weeks of just trying to recuperate and get rest and taking care of kids and that sort of thing. So there isn't much I can tell you about for the last few weeks. I probably don't want to hear the gory details. So I'm just going to go ahead and start talking about today's show. Today's game is going to be Friday by Freedman Freeze. The game came out last year at uh, Essence Spiel. It's basically a solitaire deck building game. However, it doesn't feel like any other deck building game you've played before. But you'll see more about that soon enough. I'm also going to look back at the my last year of gaming and have the first annual One Player Podcast Solitaire Gaming Awards. A light romp through my last 12 months of solitaire gaming. On with the show. Alright, so first up is the One Player Podcast Solitaire Gaming Awards. It's a look back at my personal experience with solitaire games last year. So obviously, since it's my personal experience, you know, you may disagree with uh, the awards I give out, but that's okay. Alright, so let me just jump in because there aren't that many. The Most Tactical Experience Award goes out to At the Gates of Luoyang by Uwe Rosenberg. I really like how in that game there's a tableau of cards and you get to choose which cards you're going to buy each turn and you get to see what's coming up in the next turn or two also. It really makes the, the game interesting because it lets you prepare for future turns a lot better. And it's really different from the the multiplayer game which lacks that tableau. And that game you only get to choose the cards for that turn you have no idea what's going to come up next turn because cards are drawn randomly every turn. I actually think the the solitaire game works better because of that, though the multiplayer game is still f- very fun. Contender for that award could be any of the State of Siege games by Victory Point Games, especially Keep Up the Fire and Live and Mass. I'm not sure how to pronounce that. It's a game about the French Revolution, I think. Um, next up is the award for the quickest game. That goes to Escape of the Dead minigame by Jason Sando. It's a, a very quick 5 or 10 minute dice game where you're rolling dice Yahtzee style and your goal is to try and escape by repairing your car. Basically each turn you're choosing they're going to spend dice to repair your car, rebuild a wall, or kill zombies that are attacking you. Really simple, really fun, really quick. The next award goes out to, well, the next award is the Corniest Game Award which goes hands down to Outdoor Survival by Jim Dunnigan. This award exists only because I wanted to mention Outdoor Survival again, and I like that game a lot. Great fun if you want to try and survive in the wilderness, but probably will end up dying anyway. Next up is the Best Thematic Experience Award. That goes to Lord of the Rings by Reynard Knizia. For, for a game whose gameplay is surprisingly, or is very abstract, the game is surprisingly thematic. You really get a sense of the story of the books as you're playing it. and I think the game is more fun if you have read the books, though it's a fun game either way. The Funnest War Game Award goes out to Field Commander Alexander by Dan Verson. This game is it's relatively light, it's pretty easy to play, though it was hard to get a sense of the rules, but it, it it's relatively quick and fun for a war game. Um, the other big war game I played this year was Men of Iron, 
I didn't enjoy playing as much. It wasn't so much fun. It was kind of fiddly. The uh, Field Commander game tends to play pretty quick from turn to turn, and you're doing stuff, a, a lot of stuff, and sp- not spending as much time rolling for... Well, that's not true. You do spend a lot of time rolling for combat. In Field Commander Alexander, the combat tends to be pretty fun also. The most tense game award goes to Space Hulk Death Angel. I played that a number of times last year. It was a lot of fun. Every time you're playing, as, you're, as the game's going along, it starts getting tense as you're... Especially if your guys start dying out, which usually means you're going to lose the game. And even if you do lose, it tends to be really fun. It's just as a... It gets a bit scary, even. Watching your guys die, knowing you're going to lose. Definitely a good game. By the way, Space Hulk Death Angel was... Made... Was created by Corey Konixka. The Best Unexpected Surprise Award goes out to Disaster on K2 by Tom Decker. This is another victory point game. It's a sequel to Disaster on Everest, which I had seen. I knew it was a solitaire game, and when I looked at the pictures of the board, it just didn't look that interesting. It looked like it'd be kind of a unexciting game, so I hadn't bothered getting it. And then I had a chance to then I had a chance to play test uh, Disaster on K2, and was surprised just how much fun it is and the choices you get in there. It's a lot of fun going up K2 and just struggling to surviving, trying to get back down. So that's a game I was definitely not expecting to enjoy at first and was quite, quite happy with. The Most Unusual Game Award is going to have to go to Mythic RPG by Tom Pigeon. Now keep in mind, this is coming from a person that's playing a lot more board games and role-playing games. Honestly, it's I play maybe a role-playing game every couple of years. So it was harder to do, it was harder to get into just because I wasn't as familiar or comfortable with the rules. And then you had to throw in the... Uh, playing a role-playing game solitaire, which is something I'd never done before. And it was definitely an un- unusual experience. Honestly, I'm not even sure any- if anybody else comes close to that one. The next award is the Best Way to Relive Childhood Award. My first thought was to pick the Lord of the Rings adventure game books for that, or even the fighting fantasy game books for that, since I used to love those kinds of books when I was young. However, I ended up going with a, a surprise, Steam by Martin Wallace. Now, there is a solitaire map that I have for Steam, which is Barbados, designed by Ted Alspeck, by Bezier Game, published by Bezier Games. And I've played that one solitaire a few times. The reason this game wins the Best Way to Relive Childhood Award is because it's just fun to build railroad tracks, and I have more fun with the building part than worrying about whether I'm going to win or lose. So it's more of a toy than a game, in, in a sense. The Best Solitaire Value Award. Hands down, that has to go to Onirim, which I believe retails for about $10, and I've played 30 or 40 times. $0.38 cents a play. It's a really good deal for your money. As a matter of fact, the sequel to that game should be coming out uh, next month, I think. It's called Equilibrion. It'll also be published by Z-Man Games. should be out sometime in February. And finally, the Most Replayability Award. That goes out to the Lord of the Rings Living Card Game if you buy the expansions. When I first played the game, I had doubts about how much replayability you'd have out of it. And with a base game, I definitely say there isn't a lot. You end up having to uh, do the same fights over and over, and they tend not to be that great solitaire, I think. The game starts to get more interesting when you add some expansions and you start really get to build decks with different cards and get to fight different scenarios and and each scenario has a very different feel to it 
and requires a different strategy, so it starts to get more interesting. That game is designed by Nate French. Okay, so that's it. Those are my awards. I look forward to another year of solitaire games. I will try and keep up the pace of this year, though that's going to be a challenge. Okay, so this show we're talking about the game Friday by Friedman Freeze. As I said earlier, it was published in 2011. It was released in the U.S. by Rio Grande Games, and I believe it retails for about $20. In this game, you're playing Friday, the uh, character from the story Robinson Crusoe. It was the uh, native guy that he was that Robinson Crusoe was stuck on the island with. Anyway, so you're Friday, and Robinson Crusoe's on this island, and you miss your peace and quiet that you used to have. So in the game, your goal is to help Robinson Crusoe get to be tougher to fight some pirates and take over their ship and get on and leave the island back go back to civilization so you could have your peace and quiet back for yourself so I kind of like I like the irony in this game that it's a solitaire game where you're playing a guy who's stuck with somebody else and wants to be all alone again however like I said as you're playing the game you never really feel like you're Friday you always, uh, at least for me I always feel like I am Robinson Crusoe in the game anyway the way this game works it's a it's, uh, deck building game and the box is pretty small it's about 5 by 5 inches and you get about 75 cards or so 72 cards actually 3 boards and 22 wooden life points there's a few different types of cards there's pirate ship cards which are going to be what well, you have to fight at the end of the game to win there's about 10 different pirate cards but each game you're going to have 2 random ones drawn the, the way they work at the end they're a little bit different in your deck you start with 10 different cards there's another 11 aging cards that you add to your deck um, each time you cycle through it which uh, basically are, are negative cards and are going to make it harder for you and then there are oh, I'm sorry there's 18 starting cards I thought it was 10 and then there's also 30 hazard cards which you have to fight against now the way it works your cards each have an ability, a number on it. Um, your starting hands are either negative one, zero, one, or two. However, all the cards in your starting hand add up to zero. And the way you play the game is, each turn you flip over two of the uh, hazard cards from from the hazard card deck, and you choose one to play against, and you discard the other one. And the the card that you choose will have a, a difficulty rating. And the first time you go through a deck, it's generally going to be like 0, 1, or 2. Maybe as high as, as 5. And it'll tell you you get to flip over a number of cards. The higher the difficulty, the more cards you get to flip over from your deck. You flip over those many cards automatically. And if the total points in your cards add up to the difficulty of the card you're trying to fight, you win that card and it goes into your discard pile. If it doesn't, you could choose to pay a life point to draw another card. Or it or you could just give up at any point and uh, however many points you you fail to reach uh, the hazard card by and so let's say the hazard card is a three point card and you've drawn the cards you've drawn add up to one point total since you miss it by two points you'll also have to pay two life points however as a benefit for doing that you could take out up to one card per life point you've spent out of your deck 
So this way you could get rid of the bad cards and uh, slowly make your deck better. So you play through the... You keep playing this way. Each time you finish your deck, you add an agent card, which is going to be generally have negative values and some bad abilities. You uh, reshuffle your deck and start using that again for the next turn. So, you know, as in typical deck building games, the cards you've basically bought and put in your discard and you start cycling in later on. Now you... You also go through the 30 challenge cards. You go through that deck one time. After you've gone through it, the, you go to the second stage. The cards are not going to become more expensive. You'll shuffle the, the remaining hazard cards and go through those another time, the second time. Um, when you finish that, you'll shuffle them again and go through them a third time, and they're not even harder to f defeat. The ones that were originally like a challenge level of 1 are now a 5. So you you definitely need to have stronger cards in your deck by the time you get to this. If you manage to go through the hazard deck the third time successfully, you now get to fight the two pirate ship cards. And if you do that successfully, you win the game. As you can see, the game's simple enough to play. Draw two hazard cards, pick one, then draw a number of cards to see if the points add up. Now the hazard cards are double-sided cards, I forgot to mention that before. But one side has a challenge you have to meet, and the other side is a Robinson Crusoe side, which has, uh, again, some sort of strength number for him, and sometimes a special ability. The special abilities could do things like let you draw extra cards for free, uh, gain life points, double the value of life cards, of uh, Robinson cards, and they basically you know, make it easier for you to fight. Some of the aging cards also have negative abilities, such as... Uh, you have to stop drawing free cards right there, or you could lose life points, or other things can happen. One of the nice things about this game is that it's really simple. Draw two hazard cards, pick one, draw a number of cards of yours to see if the points add up. If they do, put the hazard card in your deck. If they don't, discard it. And just keep going until you reach a pirates. There's a bit of a push your luck in it in that when you've drawn your your Robinson Crusoe cards, if you don't if you haven't reached the total points you need to win the hazard card, you could keep choosing to draw cards until you get it, but as you're doing that, you're wasting your life points. So at some point, you have to decide that it's just maybe not worth it and you'd rather just give up, potentially lose some bad cards that are in your hand. The game plays in about about 30 minutes. The ending is a bit drawn out, unfortunately. The, the fight with the pirates, I think, takes a little bit too long because... For example, some of the pirate ship cards, you get to draw 12 free cards to start with. And then after that, start paying with your life points to get more cards. You're using the special ability from your cards to draw extra cards or gain life points, etc. And it becomes a bit of a challenge to manage all that. Which cards you have already used or special abilities or which you haven't. The, the few times I've gotten into the pirate ship, it, it is hard to get to it, especially at first. I end up having about 20 cards out in front of me that I've drawn from my deck to use to fight against a pirate ship. Keeping track of all that and adding up the points in all those cards repeatedly, especially as the values keep changing on them, if you have cards that let you double them or something like that, it gets to be a little bit annoying. But if you do win, it's definitely satisfying at the end. The game has three difficulty levels. I've only actually played it at the easiest one so far, and I believe I've played about six times in one, maybe one or two games. It does seem like there might be an optimal way to play. I haven't quite figured it out yet, but there's definitely a strategy about 
going for cards with high point values early on when they're still really cheap. And there's some cards that when they come up, some of the special abilities I just never have any interest in. And there's also a strategy about keeping track of, uh, basically counting cards and keeping track of what's shown up and what's still in the deck, and that sort of thing. As I said, I haven't played enough to figure out if there really is an optimal strategy or maybe it's just at the difficulty level I'm at or what. Okay, so that's it. That's a, it's a really small game. There's not a lot to it and not a lot to say about it, I guess. It's definitely a fun game and I, I like the small size. It makes it very portable. Well, that's the end of today's episode. If you would like to contact me, you can find me as Fractaloon on BoardGameGeek or you can email me at oneplayeralbert at gmail.com. The intro music is copyright Angus and is protected by a Creative Commons license. The song and copyright information can be found at gemendo.com. The show is published in the Creative Commons non-commercial share-alike license. Thanks for listening.